interrupt this program to bring you a special report. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 63 of Not A Robot Podcast's DC Comics Review Show. As always, I have my amazing co-hosts here with me, and they're ready to introduce themselves. Rob? Uh, if the USA is so great, why did they create USB? <laughs> Wish we had a drum roll for that. Wish we did. Uh, and Josh? <laughs> hey there, humans and other listeners. All right, today we will be covering I Am Batman, number two, Superman and the Authority, and number four, the big finale, The Joker, number eight, Blue and Gold, number three, Justice League, Last Ride, number six. An- our, another finale. Yeah, well, actually, our penultimate issue, our finale is uh, next oh, month, yeah. so we still have a little bit of fun. Oh, and, that's right. Okay, dang uh, yep, it. And Titans United, number two. Of course, make sure you stick around until the end of each episode to hear our top three books for the week, The Biggest Stinker, and to find out which titles might just make the dump list. But before we get going with the show, I just want to say thank you to all of our Patreon supporters who help out with a dollar or more a month. And thank you listeners too. Like, download, and share our episodes so we can get more listeners and can bring you more content. You can get access to our Patreon and the rest of the Not A Robot shows at notarobotpodcasts.com. But with that out of the way, let's get into some comics news, personal news. Guys, what's new with you this week? I've got a couple things to bring up. Uh, one that I'm sure we're all excited for this Saturday, Fandom. Yeah. Absolutely. Should be fun. Should be fun. I can't wait. And I think there was another teaser today about it. I could be wrong. I yep. remember seeing that. I might be confusing that with the new Hawkeye trailer that came out. <laughs> Which, that was exciting. That, that was, was really good. Yeah. Yeah. I can't wait for Fandom. Uh, personally, though, and, and Josh knows this, I don't believe I told you yet, Brandon. Oh. So I think I only mentioned it in, in the one Slack group. Uh, pretty soon, come April, I'm going to be raising a little lantern. Oh, really? Oh, my God. Yeah. Congratulations. That's all two eight one four. Yeah, this is another that's one. awesome, man. <laughs> are you are you, you going to name the little guy after? Uh, well, I don't know the baby's gender yet, but but I, I don't know. maybe maybe after <laughs> maybe after one of the lanterns. I honestly, maybe not. Uh, or yeah, yeah that might take a little I, bit more debate. We we have me me and the wife. We have a a pact where I get naming rights on the girl, she gets <laughs> naming rights on the boy. All right. And I've had a name picked out for a girl for years. I don't know why. The name Haley has always just stuck with me as a very cool name. So ah. that would be my name. Yeah. It would and not be Jessica or Cruz. Also, Nightwing's a new little pup. So perfectly yeah, timed. Which is perfect. Though. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm, I'm going to be calling, if I get a little Haley, I'm going to be calling her Bitewing. That, that, that is a little disappointing to hear, though. I, I really thought if you had a girl, you were going to name her Aresia. Oh, That's that exactly been... <laughs> what I was thinking. Yeah. Jessica Aresia. I, I, would, I would love to see a child come into yeah, this world named Aresia. To, to have, so yeah, we'll see. Wait, like, uh, oh, Kyle Kilowog. Oh God, <laughs> I feel like my kid would hate me if I gave him a middle name Kilowog. I would take some serious explaining to do. Oh, that's me. <laughs> um, not a lot's been going on in my neck of the woods as far as personal news. You usually ask me what I'm reading. I've got a few um, 
go read these real uh, after mm. this. But uh, can you guys see this? Uh, yeah, that's what Holly got me. Yeah, it is the novelization of the Killing oh, Joke. Wow. Oh my God, it is so good. I'll bet. So good. I'm not all the way done with it yet. I'm about mm, a third of the way through, but it is. It's oh, it's written so mm. well. Um, other than that. I want you guys, please tell me you've got Comixology or DC Universe Infinite or, you know, you've got a really close local comic book shop because you need to be reading. They're they're not on the podcast, but you need to be reading King Shark (laughs) and you need to be you need to be reading Batman 89. Oh, yeah. And go out and check out Batman the Imposter. That was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That was that was a surprise. I think Batman the Imposter. I um. I mean, you can't go wrong with Andrea Sorrentino. You know that shit's going to be Not good. Really. But um, mm-hmm. really, really, really surprising how, how good that one was. Like, definitely check it out. And I, I would, and I'm sorry. If you can, and you can, if you, I'm sorry too. Uh, if you, if you, if you can, if you can handle, if you're interested in it at all in some old timey Batman, <laughs> they just came out with the audio adventure special. Yeah. And I couldn't. I, I had to read that, and that was awesome. Uh, man, go check that. Yeah. Out. Is that based on like, what 1940s radio? Is it or is it uh, 30s or 40s? Oh, really? Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I I actually. I mean, I don't. I don't know if they still have them up on YouTube, but I remember they had the old um, Superman radio serials. Um, uh-huh. Like I think one of them actually got adapted into the graphic novel Superman Fights the Clan. And I remember, you yeah. know, listening to the old uploads that they had in like middle school, and I was like, "These are great. They're just they're so they're so cheesy, but they're they're really fun to listen to." And it's like they are the perfect thing to have if you have like a car ride or a bus trip or a plane ride coming up soon, because they're they're also surprisingly relaxing to listen to. Yeah, that's that's very mm. true. Um, do not it, it, do unless you want to see how different of a world we are living in now. Don't go back and watch the black and white serials for Superman or Batman yeah. from the 30s because Oh yeah, yeah. Wow. No, I've, um, that that um <laughs> I don't I don't rem- it's not the one from 1949, but there's the Batman serial from 43 and there is some um it's it's a, very 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 bad. Yes, <laughs> it, it is a mixed bag because on the whole I want to love it because it is just so flamboyant and over the top for a black and white serial but there is some um how shall we say racial casting in that that is uh, yeah very very outdated um and yeah there you go outdated for context it's 1943 it's during world war ii so there is some stuff that's not going to be good if you can find it check it out but um yeah just like like a disclaimer, you know, like there, there's some shit in there that's not very, not very good. Yeah, no, I found it on Amazon a while yeah. back. I popped it in and oh, I damn. went, holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> I was not expecting that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, but, uh, I watched, I don't know which one I watched. I don't remember which one I watched when I was a really young as a kid. Mm. My dad had it on VHS, and I just remember a plane with diamonds. That's all I remember, and something with a phantom and him driving that plain old car. <laughs> That's the Batmobile. <laughs> yeah, That's all I remember. But I, I had fond Sweet. memories of, of that, and just because I, I don't really remember much about it, and mm. just to hear, it, it's a dated show. Yeah, at this point, 
Yeah. Un- it's unfortunate to say, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. Green Hornet. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Alas. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, guys, um, any other big news? Um, uh, the, the biggest comic news this week to come out since Bendis signed exclusive with DC. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> Saga's coming back. Yeah, yeah. Very exciting. Not a DC book, but uh, it no, has I, been I, I like it's everybody's favorite. Literally. <laughs> walk into any like comic shop ever you're gonna have one guy asking when is saga coming back i swear to god it's insane but if um, if you guys if yeah if you guys remember right we uh we talked about that about it coming back here just a few months yeah Yeah. my god superpowers crazy i'm Um, saying (laughs) well it was it was but i don't know like i felt a little bad when they dropped that news because at the same probably like uh maybe an hour earlier or something like that. Actually, it might have been a day earlier. They had announced that um, Kurt Busiek's Astro City and a lot of that other stuff was coming back to Image and they were doing a bunch of new projects. And people were excited for that. And then literally like a day later, the saga news drops and everyone forgot about it. And I was like, oh, that yep. sucks. Because <laughs> Astro City is great. Like, it's such a great series. But, um, I mean, you can't beat Saga. That's It's so exciting, yeah. so... Yeah, I can't. I can't wait to be on that monthly read again. It's gonna be a time. That's gonna be yeah. awesome. I, I I guess we'll be having some pretty regular indie shows. I hope so. I hope so. I mean, if, if Image <laughs> right they on. are if they are generous enough to still grace us with those advanced copies of of Saga, and and I hope they do. We're we're gonna be the first ones to cover it. Try believe that. Um, yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah, yeah. And um, I've, I've <laughs> all right. started writing some some indie reviews. So you best believe that when that drops in the advance, I'm gonna already have my thing like ready to type up. So um, should be fun. Oh yeah. So so t- to my knowledge, and granted, this week I haven't been able to get on the internet much, but there was like one piece of news in the comic industry that everybody loved. And that was that saga was coming back. And then there was something else that kind of came out that was a little more, let's call it derisive. (laughs) It split the crowd down the, down the middle there a little bit. What was that? What do you guys think? Obviously the story that I think for the first time ever gave Dean Cain the most neutral fucking opinion in his history that he thought was very conservative but turned out to actually just be the book oh my god that guy is such a tool <laughs> like he okay, he really is he, if you guys didn't hear about it he went on to be like oh it's, it's, it's john i'm sure we're talking as if you haven't figured out john kent coming out as bisexual yeah which it's... is very dear and near to my heart yeah we we, we love a bisexual sure king I, I will talk about it. <laughs> I will talk about it more. I'm sure we'll all talk about it when the book comes out. Yeah. But just the oh, fact man. that he's coming out at 17 is the exact same age I did when I realized who I was. Mm. And I think it's just to see this happening. I've been following John Kent since his inception, and this is very near and dear to my heart that this is happening. Yeah. Well, I I have a, a little actually like five minute ago news that that just dropped related to. John Kent, as I was kind of just like glancing it at um, at Newsarama. I'm never going to call them Games Radar. They always be Newsarama to me. But um, <laughs> just announced for uh, January 2022 a Superman and Robin special 
uh, featuring a, a team-up, obviously, of the good old Super Sons, drawn by Victor Bogdanovich, who has been doing some great oh, stuff yeah. in uh, Detective Comics, and written by none other than Peter J. Tomasi. Um, <gasps> yeah. What? Oh, that's cool. I think that's going to be great. And I mean, so I actually, I, a good way to segue into some of my own personal news. I know you guys hear me talking enough, but um, for those who didn't know, <laughs> yeah. I wasn't on last week's show because I was having a grand old time destroying my legs at the Javits Center at New York Comic Con. Uh, me and Buddy <laughs> spent two days there. It was a lot of fun. Um, and we got to meet a ton of creators. The Scott Snyder Comixology panel was fucking insane because there were just so many people there wanted to get their stuff signed, and it was just a lot of fun. But um, we actually got to meet Pete, Peter Tomasi. This is actually the third time I've met him and still does not recognize me. So I guess I just have a very forgettable <laughs> face. But um, he's a really nice guy, and every time you bring something to him, he's always like, yeah, I remember when I wrote this. I had a lot of fun. Like. He was at Fan Expo Boston. I brought him Nightwing. He's like, loved writing that book. I wish they'd do a complete collection. And then literally like two months later, they did. Um, and then uh, I brought him a creator-owned book that he did over at Dark Horse called The Mighty. And yeah, he's just a super genuine guy. So anyway, um, yeah, that, that one shot should be pretty exciting, I think. Oh, it's only a one shot. Yeah, yeah. It's a, only a one shot, but... I, I hope oh, they I'll really, I yeah, I know. I really hope they pull out all the stops with it because, you know, I, I love that Super Sons book. Yeah, so yeah. good. I, I'm, that, that was the thing that I hated the most, that they aged up John Ken, that we were not getting any more Tomasi Super Sons. Yeah. Two of them as young boys. I know, I know. That was that was just like such a gem of a book that I don't think we'll, we'll ever get again. But I'm glad they're at least giving us like this, you know, small little treat to enjoy. Mm-hmm. They yeah, haven't they completely forgotten. Circle. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it's it's you know it's it's an oversized one shot. Like they're saying, it's going to be forty eight full pages, so at least we'll have a a good amount to chew on. Mm-hmm. Um, awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I guess for the sake of time, because we've already been talking way too much, just having too much fun. But um, is there any other DC news we want to get into before I? Because um, there were a couple other announcements that dropped. Just just to, to bring up because I think what Dean Kane said was hilarious that I I can't stand his voice either anymore not yeah. since the nineties but even then um he was going on about how he doesn't think this whole direction for Superman is brave and bold mm. but would be brave is you know fighting injustices in the world and and all these oh, refugees Lord. he's protesting against fight against the governments that are holding them down and save them and and fight for all this and honestly dean if you're listening congratulations you just described the book that's being written yeah it's it's almost it's actually happening it's almost like if you sat down and read it you would know that that's what's been developing in like the past two issues you know he had all the but, 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 but i don't like it because he's kissing a boy right. well again if Close you <laughs> if, if you could read you would know that number one that hasn't even happened yet that was a solicitation for two months from now yeah. uh and and Second, I don't know. It's clear to me that you just don't actually read these books. You don't care. It's just looking to get upset about something because you don't have enough going on in your own life. Politicians are going on about it was laughable. Uh, Yeah, no, this is why, mercifully, I was like, um, I'm not on on Twitter anymore because I was like, I can't can't even put up with this shit. 
Um, All right. So here's here's the thing, man. And and I, let me just say this before we get out. And I don't. If I come across preachy, I'm sorry. <laughs> but um, I'm not gay. I don't have a. I don't have half a gram of gay in me. I don't. Mm. I do have a son who is uh, tr- uh, tr- who has is trans is trans female to male. Over half of my podcast network is in some way, shape, or form a member of the LGBTQIA plus community, mm-hmm. and these people have gone their whole lives with zero people that they can identify in the mainstream eye. They don't have anybody to look up to. A, a lot of people can say that. A lot of people can. And thankfully, we've seen progress made with women being promoted. We've seen progress made with minorities being promoted and getting some opportunities. Let's face it, those are nowhere near where they need to be. To. <laughs> but as far as the queer community goes, there's not been anything. And I've heard a lot of arguments already going, well, North Star was homosexual. Mm-hmm. Batwoman is a lesbian. Those are comic book characters that, one, nobody really gives a shit about. And two, most people have never heard of. So until the CW's crappy show came out, that wasn't mainstream in any way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. Now, you want to know who is mainstream? Superman. And I don't see how making a character like Superman bisexual changes him in any way shape or form yeah if you didn't have a problem if you didn't have a problem with superman clark kent grabbing lois up and sailing into the sky and kissing her then you shouldn't have a fucking problem (laughs) which weirdly enough with with the happening with a boy either you're not seeing anything that you wouldn't see and sometimes see in a fucking tv commercial yeah 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 so it the man i'm not trying to be preachy again but if you got a problem with it, and I understand everybody's got their beliefs, but grow the fuck yeah. up. Yeah. If if again, I'm gonna echo Josh's point. If if Superman can have sky sex with Lois and Wonder Woman for that matter, in, okay, in, man. and a mermaid, in, yeah, in Frank mermaid? Miller's crazy thing, um, yeah. then I, I think we can all be mature and adult enough to see John kissing a boy. I don't think that's so scandalous that I have to clutch my pearls and. Throw my right, ain't that the yeah. truth? And let's get let's get something straight. That's going to be a part of his character. That's not going to be the storyline. Yeah. Mm. Okay. That's it's, it, it's not something that you're going to have sit there rubbed into your face if that's not something you like. It's just going to be a part of the storyline. Yeah. If anything, it's the B. You know what? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Or maybe even C. Yeah. But the the point is, man. I guess is, I hope that this these kind of storylines bring in a much wider, diverse crowd of people so that the comics industry isn't quite so much on pins and needles as to which direction it needs to lead. Yeah, I I wholeheartedly agree. All right, that's enough of me being (laughs) Reverend Mountaintop. All right, before we actually get into the part that you're here to listen to, which is our books for this week, we have a couple final announcements. Um... The DC Connect, which is kind of their previews of a lot of the books that are coming up in the next couple months, um, yes, yep, recently dropped, and that gave us a, a look at some of the new stuff that's coming up. And so we have a, a couple new books and um, uh, new creative teams in the pipeline. Um, some I'm definitely interested to check out, some 
I'd rather not. Um, but to kick us off, we have a, a new series from uh, Chip Zdarsky and Carmine Gian Domenico, which is Batman the Night, which um, is a 10-issue mm. series that will uh, be focusing on the period between Bruce's uh, departure from Gotham City and his time, you know, eventually becoming Batman, which I think could be really interesting, but I, I don't know how much they're going to have for 10 issues. Uh, I think... I'll have to read that first issue to really get a sense of what they're trying to do. Because that does seem like quite a bit to spend on just the period in between. Like, what what are you going to do? Yeah, yeah. Um, It's going to have to have a hell of a story in order to... Because yes, the only thing exactly. that he did was training. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, yeah. you, know, so, you, gotta, I mean, you really got to find a way to make that interesting. Yeah. And, uh, I'm happy you started with the creative team on that. Because if you started with the title, oh, another bad Yeah, I, I, had the, okay. I had, the, had the same reaction. <laughs> right. um, but we're not done with Batman yet, because we never are. Uh, so next we have a bit more of an announcement on Detective Comics 1050, which will be part of the Shadows of the Bat event, but is also the big celebration issue. Um, and... You know, normally that would just be your standard big, uh, you know, anniversary-sized issue. But there is a special little announcement, and that is there is the start of a new backup story, um, seemingly from uh, creators that I, I can't believe it's taken them this long to actually get together and do something. Uh, Mark Wade and Dan Mora doing a world's finest story. Oh, man! Yeah. My. God, yeah, Mark, awesome. Mark Wade, who is a man who needs no introduction, DC Comics royalty at this point, um, and Superman yeah, as well, Superman royalty. Yeah, hardcore. absolutely. And Dan Mora, who is just incredible in everything he does, and I like. I was like, yeah, they have never worked together. Like Dan Mora has worked with like Grant Morrison. He's worked with like so many other people at, at DC and done covers in Marvel. And it's like I can't believe this is the first time they're actually doing something. So. I'm super stoked for that one. That one's coming out January 25th. I'm going to try and get that one pre-ordered as fast as I can because that's a killer fucking team right there. Um, Hell yeah. yeah. Um, Catwoman, I, I think... Did we announce that Rom V was leaving the book? I think we did. We did, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah so Catwoman, um, Rom V announced via his newsletter that, um, you know, just because things are getting a little bit more crazy with the scheduling and everything... Um, and, um, <clears throat> um, you know, he, uh, recently had a, a child, so obviously that's taking a lot out of his schedule. Um, so effective immediately, he was going to be stepping away from Justice League Dark and Catwoman, and we have some clarity on who the new creative team is going to be, and that is Teeny Howard and Nico Leone. Um, mm. so Yeah. Teeny Howard sounds familiar. Where is that from? She is doing Excalibur over at Marvel um, and has been kind of a big part of the Dawn of X line. Um, okay, maybe that's yeah, where I've so, seen that. Yeah, she's, I, I mean, Excalibur is a book that I haven't been caught up recently, but I remember enjoying that, and I think she's pretty solid. So I'll definitely be you know, keeping up with Catwoman and seeing what she brings to the book. Yeah. yeah, back when the X Men got all twisted and weird and convoluted, and then 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 that reached out to X Force, which I was reading. I put X Men to bed like before I was thirteen. I was like, "This is nuts." Um, but I read X Force and I read Excalibur, mm. 
then X-Force started X-Mining, but Excalibur has always been a pretty good book. Yeah. I'd never understood why they, um, I guess why it didn't sell that well, because Captain Britain, Psylocke, Nightcrawler, that's an, that they made it, there was a really, really good team. Yeah, yeah, it's always been kind of more of a, of a niche title, but um, I think Excalibur has been pretty, pretty solid over, over at Marvel. Not perfect, but it's, it's had some some interesting stuff, and um, uh, Teeny Howard also was kind of um, show running the Ten of Swords event with with John Hickman, and you know making sure all that stuff. And that was a pretty good event, I thought. So um, yeah, I I hope she does some cool stuff with Catwoman. I'm I'm excited to see what she can bring over to DC, over to the the dark side, if you will. Um, and then two more announcements, and then we'll get into our books. Promise, I'm wasting enough of your time. Um, a <laughs> Peacemaker one-shot, Peacemaker Disturbing the Peace um, from Garth Ennis and Gary Brown. That sounds mm. awesome. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm totally going to oh check my, that one uh, out. Okay, but here, it, in premise, it sounds good, but it will have to be done pretty carefully for it not to come across as a one-man The Boys. Yes, yeah, yeah. Hopefully it's not, you know, any kind of retread, but I mean... It's like, you know, it, it's Garth Ennis. It's a character with a military background. He has pretty robust... He should be able yeah, to knock it Yeah, he has a pretty out. robust experience doing that with Punisher and literally every other book he writes. So I feel like it's probably a no-brainer for him. It's like, yeah, Peacemaker did some military stuff, is killer. I'm, I'm good. Um, and then Gary Brown is awesome. Josh, I know you can co-sign that because you read Baby Teeth. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and, uh, our last announcement, which is something that I kind of wish I didn't have to make, but I have to give full coverage. And that is, um, the moment that I assume some people have been waiting for. I don't know how many they are, but I assume they have, uh, the upcoming, uh, Justice League versus Legion of Superheroes six issue event, um, from, um, Eisner award-winning writer, and they made sure you read that in the press announcement. Uh, Brian Bendis, with art from Scott Godlewski. I mean, I'll probably give the first issue a chance, but it seems like it's really going to be putting an emphasis on Gold Lantern. So it's literally the arc is literally called the Saga of the Gold. Uh, yeah, Lantern. so that uh, can that already can somebody checking out play the funeral march? Yeah, yeah. Josh, I've never seen your facial expression just change. I know, so I was like literally just got so depressed <laughs> so fast. Like, damn it! See, I knew that it was a, a Legion of Superheroes book titled the the Saga of the the Gold Lantern. I did not know that it was Justice League versus. Yeah, they had the last month. They had the announcement that they were doing a Justice League annual that was going to be a prelude to the event, and then now I guess we're actually getting the event. And um, and how many issues is this? Six issues. Thing yeah. as all events and it's, are. Is I guess. it? Um, is it continuity? Looks is like it. it. In canon? Yeah. Oh Jesus. Yeah, I don't know. This the, the title Gold Lantern has me curious, but why do they need to fight? I don't know. I assume it's gonna. Uh, why? Why are you giving the reins to Brian Michael Bendis again? Yeah. Is it the fact well, that you enjoy the maybe dip and sales? Because, maybe because he wrote. Uh, well, he was a part of the writing team who conceived of Avengers versus X Men. Maybe they're hoping it'll recapture that magic. Even though, from my memory, Please. while it was a commercial success, people didn't really like AVX. I don't know why no, they, didn't. they think this well, is going to... 
they they had Cyclops snapping yeah Professor Xavier's neck first off uh, yeah <laughs> I don't know maybe they're hoping they can recapture some of that magic but um it's coming out so I there I said it you yeah. you know it exists at least AVX <laughs> had some world building prior to the book that made sense for the book to come out yeah no matter how you feel about the actual story at least it kind of made sense that it was going in that direction i i can't understand why the justice league and the legion of superheroes would ever need to fight i don't know i truly don't know i don't i have you guys been reading justice league since we dropped it because i have i have been reading the backups yeah no i I, I, justice league yeah it's it's just as it's just as useless and non-integral, integral as 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 Archie Comics is to the DC main con- continuity. Uh, why Archie Comics? It is Comics? completely <laughs> because that's how fucking far oh, out yeah. it is that that yeah. that. It, uh, I could totally see Jughead as the next Robin, though. That would be pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Jughead is literally Bendis is Superman. I'll never, I'll never be able to recapture how shocked I was to walk into a store and see a a a cover of Archie that had the words Mark Wade on it. I was like, what the fuck? (laughs) What Twilight Zone world am I living in? Why are you writing Archie? And yeah, I looked it up, and they had that whole reboot thing. I was like, okay, yes. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, that's that's all we have for the other DC comic stuff. Do you guys have any other burning announcements? Nah, not centering in and around DC, my man. No, I think that's about it. Yeah. So, what do we got coming up this week? Did we already tell the titles? I think we did. Yeah, yeah, we? we did. So let's get it. Let's let's officially get it started because we we've been rambling for quite some time, but. Uh, to kick it off this week, we will be we will begin with I Am Batman number two. Uh, Josh will give us the summary on that, so take it away. All right, I Am Batman number two was written by John Ridley, art from Steven Segoya and Rex Locus, who I don't think I've seen on Colors in a while at DC, mm-hmm. and uh, covered by Koipel and Romulo Fiardo Jr. with the Larger World Studios Troy Pateri handing handling the letters. The issue starts out with anarchy being gunned down in the streets, and then Batman shows up with this inner monologue about how fear is a motivator, and when others fear you, you have nothing to be afraid of, and then he beats up some thugs. So there's this new group in town that calls themselves the Moral Authority, led by this guy named Seer, or person named Seer, and we know that they believe special people should be saved, and we know this because a very young member the one who shot Anarchy, is being interviewed by police. And he, of course, spills pretty much all of his guts. Mm-hmm. A cut to explain that the Seer is the bad guy in this arc with Batman and Vic and... or Val, excuse me. And then it's Batman setting up the Seer's crew to all meet with the text that says, Tonight's the night. They all go to where they're supposed to meet like schmucks, and Batman follows and knocks the hell out of the whole crew, spilling a pretty decent amount of blood on the way, and all the whole time that this is happening, there's more fear talk. There's one guy left that Batman doesn't kill, or rather maim, put down, and that's when he took his lower face mask off and shows him that he's not the old Batman, 
but asserts that he is Batman now. And on the last page, we see Seer sending out an army to save the young boy from earlier and to kill Batman. So the art was really good. <laughs> Always um, a great way this... to start to review. <laughs> <laughs> this, this, okay, so this feels, I don't have a problem with the story, but I have a problem with what happened in it. It feels like a complete 180 degree turn from what we were getting in the previous two issues. Mm. In, in Batman number zero, he says, I tried to appropriate a symbol of privilege and made it a monster. And he wants to inspire change, not just be a myth in the shadows. He's going to show everyone that he's real and everywhere. And then in I Am Batman number one, he says, I can't chase what Batman was because what he wasn't was, wasn't real, not just in the shadows. And then he talks about how Gotham needs someone to believe in, not fear like the seer is spreading. So I'm 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 kind of bummed by that. It's like they they took how he's going to be a different, completely kind of Batman, and now it w- without fear, like working against fear. And then in this issue, he's just like, oh, fear, 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 fear. Yeah. The whole every time you're talking, yeah, every time he's thinking. Yeah. So I, it really threw me. Um, it completely took the sense away that this is a, not just the next Batman. But what I wanted, like a new Batman, and it it just obliterated it, man. Uh, the the art say the circle takes the square, but the art saves the score. <laughs> I give this a six out of ten. Yeah, um, I, I had fun with this one. Like I, I still think the story for me has been pretty tight. Just in Jace's kind of investigations to maybe some of the unseen parts of Gotham that Bruce hasn't hasn't had a chance to get into. I think that stuff is, is still super cool and super valid. Um, but yeah, no, I was definitely right there with you uh, it, where it kind of felt like he was had just completely forgotten about him trying to be more, I don't know, positive, more of like, a you know, I'm trying to help the community instead of spreading fear. And then here he is just like, I'm just going to use all the methods of fear and, you know, scare the shit out of the people that I'm trying to help. Um which, yeah, it was definitely a little weird, but I, I don't know that it, excuse me, I don't know that it bothered me quite as much. I don't, I don't Maybe I didn't notice it quite as much, but, um, yeah, I just, I don't know. Like, I, I, while that was a little troublesome, I think I'm still interested enough in the story that I was kind of willing to overlook it just for those parts. Um, so I ended up giving it an 8 out of 10. Um, it was, you know, I, it's, I still found it interesting and, and satisfying enough. Uh, beyond that part of the story, I, 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 I'll admit I enjoyed the entire book. Uh, the art was really well done, and I'm super excited to see where they take Jace, and I hope he sticks around for a very long time. Mm. And I definitely see what you guys are saying about that, but the way I, I took it with that whole fear sequence is just him realizing that while he can use the methods he wants to use, at the end of the day, fear, as they say, is a wonderful motivator. And it might have been him realizing that as much as he wants to differentiate himself from the original Batman, maybe he has to, to borrow a few techniques every once in a while right. just to get get his point across and get what he needs to get done done. Yeah. Yeah. Shame they had no. to kill poor Anarchy, though. Yeah, that's a shame. It's like one of my favorite minor Batman villains, and yeah. now he's dead, so... If if I ever write Batman, yeah, it's like if I ever write Batman, I have to find a way to bring him back, assuming someone doesn't do it first. 
I, I oh, love he's, he's like a C-level villain, so you could just like, oh, he's in the background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a different anarchy. Yeah, no one will notice. I I, I gave this an eight point five. I I really enjoyed it, and I'm mm. excited to see where it goes. Hopefully, they they don't stray too far from the original plan. Yeah, hopefully. All right, on to our next title, which is the big slam-bang finale of the action-packed four-issue miniseries, Superman and the Authority, number four. Uh, This was, of course, brought to us by writer Grant Morrison, with art from Mikkel Hanin and colors from Jordi Belair. Um, Did I miss anyone? No, but I'm starting to think that Jordi Belair doesn't sleep yeah uh, she, she might hell. just be like a vampire i'm not sure how she does it but she's literally on nearly every book that comes out everywhere and it's kind of freaking me out well man. you know these comic <laughs> yeah you know these comic guys they get like zero sleep so like they're they're yeah. constantly working um but how do i even break down superman and the authority number four it is a a very dense very jam-packed issue a very um, Morrison issue. A very Morrison yeah. issue, I would say. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't even know where to start other than um, I, I love this version of Superman. I, I, that was really how I wanted to start. I, do too, I love too. this version of Superman. He is yeah. so, yep. like, refined. He is so just, he is the embodiment of, I've done this for so long, it is second nature to me. And I think that, that definitely shows more towards the end of the issue, but he, I love this version of Superman. It is it is so well done. So maybe I'll start there. Um, our issue picks up um, following me, the, before before yeah. we before we go on from there. Let me just say something that relates to what you were saying. Mm. As somebody who's a little bit older, yeah. <laughs> um, I you know I, I've got health problems and I'm getting up there. Obviously, the majority of my facial hair is white, um, but. Superman stands out in this particular short arc to me because he's somebody who is taking his failings. He's losing his power. He's losing the ability to do what he knows he normally could do. He's, he's visibly aging in in a, in a very short amount of time. So, I mean, this dude is, (laughs) this dude is going through like things that are very, very similar to me Mm -hmm. and he's able to just, push it aside and continue on with the mission, man. And he knows, you know, he knows what needs to happen. He's not going to go sit down and wait. You know, he's not going to sit down and just wait until his powers aren't there anymore or hope for the best. He's going to go out and, you know, keep helping people until they can anymore. And, uh, you know, I mean, there, there's a, there's a, I think the best way to say that is uh, that he is the perfect example of aging gracefully. Yes. Yeah. No, Superman, (laughs) this version of Superman has aged incredibly well. I love it. Yeah, um, I, th- I think we could all take a lesson from from Superman and try and age this good as we get older. But um, Philip, yeah, Grant Morrison too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. You want to talk about aging? Well, yeah, the guy just does not age. They they do just not age. But um, yeah. Um, <clears throat> so this issue just sort of starts off picking up from the uh, end of the last one, where we had seen the Ultra Humanite get the drop on Superman and preparation for an operation that would exchange his brain for Superman's brain and inhabit his body and with his new Kryptonian powers he would be able to assert his domination on the world but 
Of course, Clark, being the Superman that he is, had planned for this very thing and had seemingly been luring the Ultra Humanite into a trap into the bottle city of Kandor where they had begun the operation, uh, only to reveal his right-hand partner in organizing this whole thing, none other than Lois Lane, who also looks like she has not aged a day, looks fine as hell and uses a K-laser gun <laughs> uh, to take down the Ultra Humanite before Clark is able to subdue him and rip off his head uh, before <clears throat> revealing that something isn't quite right with the Ultra Humanite. You know, he'd always been smart, but he'd never been this good before. Clearly, he's had some right. upgrades. He's working with someone. That's when we get the revelation as Clark um, up, uh, is working with some neural technology and reveals that uh, Ultra Humanite has been working with Brainiac, a very updated and, and suave-looking Brainiac, if I, if I may say. Almost looks a little bit like Lex Luthor. Um, In a way, yeah, yeah that was those. That was that kind of vibe that yeah, I got. Yeah, like I, it, was, and I, I, it was those two put together. I, I wasn't sure if it was because you know, this version of Ultra Humanite is bonded with Solomon Grundy or because in another book that we're going to cover in Justice League Last Ride, we have a hybrid of Cyborg Superman and Brainiac, but I wasn't sure at first if this was supposed to be like a Brainiac-Lex Luthor hybrid. That would be dope, but it doesn't seem like that's the going. This is just a very suave-looking one. But anyway, uh, Brainiac is, you know, giving his whole spiel on how he's a collector and he wants to preserve the earth and humans are ruining it and particularly Superman is one of the people that is thwarting his efforts to preserve the earth and Clark is like, yeah, it's not going to happen under my watch. But He's like, is this infomercial still I know, on? he's like, all right, we're, we're done with this. Like Again, as Josh put it, this is a Superman that has aged very gracefully. He doesn't have time for any of this crap. He is like ready to move on. Um, but yep. meanwhile, in Dubai, the authority who are facing off against the other authority that the Ultra Humanite had um, brought together are kind of handling their shit pretty well, I would say. It's, it seemed like they were kind of getting their, their shit kicked in the last issue, but they're actually doing pretty good here, uh, even though it seems like Natasha Irons kind of got the drop, um, or someone got the drop on Natasha Irons, um, a, a character that I cannot even begin to pronounce, but that they just call Siv. Um, if you look at the caption <laughs> for that, uh, good luck. Oh, it's like a language I don't think anyone can speak except Grant Morrison. Um, but <clears throat> thankfully, even though Brainiac thinks that his authority will have the upper hand and that Clark's slapdash team will not be able to work together and, and you know, do their stuff, that's when, you know, Clark really reveals that all of these people were selected for a particular reason, especially someone like Natasha Iron, in that they are more than just their powers. They're smart. They're very capable. They can show their skills in, in any capacity. Um, and, and adaptable. They're adaptable, exactly. And, uh, and speaking of adaptability, we got West Hollywood, where Apollo is in the middle of fighting the new version of OMAC uh, as they're trying to find out the whereabouts of the new light ray, uh, Leah Nelson, who is getting a, a bit of a, a very seductive and, and um, strange talk from this version of Eclipso, who is really trying to get her to kill herself for some reason, I guess, probably believes that her sacrificing her life will free the powers, I imagine, and, you know, he'll be able to gain access to them. But naturally, Apollo and Enchantress... I have a theory on that. Oh really? I'll wait till the end though. Oh yeah, we'll yeah. we'll get to get to that. Um, but 
Apollo and and uh, and Enchantress are able to stop Eclipso before he does any any major damage, and thankfully are able to show up in time to um, save the well, not save, but assist with the arrest of the Authority as they're uh, taking down the Ultra Humanites forces. Uh, and in particular, there is a great scene um, with uh, one of the members of the other Authority. Um, who calls her name um, like List or, or something like that, um, and Midnighter, and they have this great exchange that I won't repeat here, but if you get a chance to read this issue, it's really funny. Um, where, <laughs> you know, he's, yeah. he's, he's almost like, uh, why are you doing this? Like, you seem like you, you don't really have your heart in it. What did he offer you? And she's like, uh, he gave me some fortune Bitcoin <laughs> NFT. Yeah. That was like, nice. Um, but... Anyway, um, long story short, um, the Authority are able to take down the other rival Authority. Superman leaves Earth, you know, basically saying, like, Brainiac, your plan failed, and I was never even really working against you to begin with. I put this team together for more important purposes, and you, quite frankly, are not worth my time. And um, that's really when, you know, Clark brings everyone together at Fort Superman to prepare for their new mission on War World, and says like we're we put this team together to do more important things to save the world and maybe you thought i was talking about earth but i wasn't i was talking about war world we need to tackle the things that are most important to us so let's get ready to to take that into action and uh, before we wrap up we have a little bit of a uh, an epilogue that kind of ties into some bigger stuff involving light ray and what may be coming with some of the other fourth world things that i'm sure will be uh, showing up in the action comics run but um for my money i i don't know like i finished this issue and i gave it an 8.75 but i had to be completely honest i just felt really melancholy at the end like i was just sad to see it go like i I don't know i I feel like i would have read another it was a very tight mini series it wrapped up fine but like i would have loved to have seen more of this team in this setting in this world with this distinguished distinguished superman you know before um, morrison handed over the reins to the action comics team like i just i was having so much fun I'm, I'm i'm gonna miss these guys and i know they'll show up you know in the special and everything else they have coming up but you know i'm i'm, I'm gonna miss this series it was a fun little bit for for these couple months it was and the only reason why i'm accepting of the fact that it was only a four issue deal was because the kind of book that it's going to get into being, which is, yeah. you know, Superman's team versus war world. And that's not exactly Grant Morrison's style, but he, he could not have crafted this transition from Superman to, you know, versus war world any better. There's, it was flawless. Mm-hmm. It really was. I, I loved it, man. Or as, as close to flawless as it could be. Yeah, it was, it was just a really tight story. I'm just, uh, you know, I'm just I'm sad to see it go so soon. I was like, oh, all right, all right, <laughs> don't don't go, don't leave. You stay a little are, longer. Are Are we going to talk about that ginormous elephant that's in the room? Yeah, let's go for it. That last page. Yeah. It yeah. it says light ray is. Yeah, yeah, it is uh, clearly building to some bigger stuff, and I really, really hope they get into into that with action or in action comics because that feels like it could be some big fourth world shaking stuff right there it it does almost as if like 
for example, Eclipso is trying to convince her to off herself mm. because he knows what she's going to become. It almost, at least for me, maybe I'm getting ahead of myself here, but it almost feels like they're setting Light Ray up to be the anti-dark side. I didn't even think of that, but yeah, that, that's, that's totally exactly possible. what I was thinking. Yeah. Because they never really showed off what Eclipso's whole deal was, did they? No, no. And yeah. I mean, even... Even now, we really don't have the full extent for what Light Ray's powers are. I mean, you're kind of given like a, a brief description of it, but she wasn't really an active part of you know this uh, this mini series in terms of the fighting. So it'll be interesting to see like how they develop that further. Well, I mean, just I suppose that you know, with the exception of maybe the Ray, mm. uh, there's nobody better suited to be the opposite of Dark Side. Than light ray. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I, I think it'll be really cool. There, there, Say there again? was a new god called Light Ray, right? I'm not making yes, it up. Yeah. Silver costume, red hair, somewhat. Yeah. Yeah. And at the end of that little teaser, they didn't specifically say that it was going to be coming back in action comics, right? That was just in the previous ending mm. with a group of them standing together, if I remember right. Yes, yeah. So it could be this whole late Ray is deal is tying into whatever Joshua Williamson is setting up. Oh yeah, side. yeah. I'm more. That's exactly what I'm thinking. It is. It has to be that. Yeah, it, like, it could be. I mean, one. It, there's there, you can't. I mean, there's there's got to be a dark side connection there. Or, I mean, nothing else makes any sense. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, considering how many you know elements of of Morrison stuff they've been using in. Um, infinite frontier and stuff like that 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 would not be surprising at all no and if that's the case i'm looking forward to it oh absolutely absolutely as for this book though as a whole though everything brandon said i 100 percent agree with i'm gonna miss this team together and i can't i really hope that they get together for some more stuff yeah i also gave it an 8.75 pretty much exactly the same review now, if I'm not mistaken, this is continuing in action comics, right? It's they're not just showing up in a special. We're going to get to see Superman versus Warworld. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just, you yeah. know, it, this team and this kind of future setting and all that stuff. Like, I totally would have read in easily another arc with that. And I think, oh yeah, I, maybe maybe selfishly, it was just because like I, the way Grant Morrison writes Manchester Black is just always so fun to read. It is so fun to read. I'm gonna miss that. And I, I hope. I'm like, you know, maybe one of you guys who's, you know, on Twitter can like tweet at Philip Kennedy Johnson. He's just like, whenever you're writing scenes with Manchester Black, you got to turn up the sass to like 11 because you, you need that. <laughs> what makes Grant, for me, what makes Grant Morrison's writing so great is the fact that I am almost 100% positive. As a matter of fact, I'll say I would be shocked to find out if, that I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. That Grant Morrison, before he writes and before he gets involved in any story, he sits down for hours and hours and hours in his head, having a conversation with the characters that are going to be the, in that book. Yeah, I mean, he was the one you know in, what uh, I mean? in Flex Mentalo that had like that whole mindset of there are universes that live in your head, having conversations. So I totally believe yep. that. Yep, I, I hundred percent, man, because. Yeah. There's nobody, it's just crazy. You get in there and, you know, I talk about voice a lot and whether or not, you know, somebody makes sure Batman's talking right, but I mean, dude, Grant Morrison, exactly, (laughs) but Grant, Grant Morrison gets in there and he takes like the culmination of the entire character's history Mm. and balls it up into one. 
and presents a, a, an amazing character, almost an amazing story. Even if Rob doesn't like his Green Lantern, right? <laughs> I, I've loved almost I've loved nearly everything he's done, and that includes his shit that he did over in X Men. Which you know, I'm just not a Marvel fan, yeah, but no, I did enjoy Morrison's X Men too. But now we'll just we'll just have to wait until Superman shows up in Action Comics and talks about um, I don't know the Goof Troop. So I can really <laughs> send Josh over the edge. I have a little. little... No, man, if you're gonna bring in Saturday <laughs> afternoon cartoons, then in, in Batman, then it's gotta be Darkwing Duck. Yeah. There's just no other no other acceptable thing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, shit. That actually raises some questions. If there's a Ducktales in the DC universe that Batman knows about, then in that and there is family, a Darkwing Duck. There should be a Darkwing Duck. Yeah. Is Bruce like for that or pissed off about that? I feel like he would probably he would very begrudgingly acknowledge its existence. Like, yeah, there's a parody of me that exists, but I can't do anything about it. So whatever. Yeah, basically, yeah. Off panel, he's like, this is a bunch of bullshit. I can't even file a lawsuit against copyright infringement because, I mean, really. Yeah, yeah. then everyone (laughs) knows I'm Batman. Like, I can't can't do that. Uh, All right, should we get into our next book? I think so. If I didn't give my score for that one, man, that was an 8.5. It was was great, and... um, Really, the only thing was, I feel like this this particular issue should have about probably been stretched out to a f- about about forty forty five pages. Yeah, yeah, would have uh, maybe maybe a little bit more. It was definitely pretty jam packed, but um, mm-hmm. I, I would have loved more. I would have loved more. Um, but our next issue maybe promises to please. We shall see. And that is the Joker number eight, which will feature a main story summarized by Rob and a backup story summarized by Josh. So I'm gonna let Rob take it away. All right, I had so much fun writing the synopsis, <laughs> and I'm not going to say it's the best thing Tiny's ever did, but one of the my favorite things he's ever done was give this character the name of Vengeance, because the amount of metaphors I came up with in this thing is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so this one is from, as I said, writer James Tiny the Fourth, with art by Guillaume March, colors from Eric Prianto, and letters from Tom Napolitano. Here I was thinking that we were going to get some of those metaphors, but you know what? Whatever. Keep them to yourself, jerk. <laughs> you definitely get some. Oh, man. <laughs> well, Jim Gordon is a damn good cop, but not good enough to stop vengeance from ripping his date's arm off. Ouch. If that's not a damn metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. That's, that's a rough date. <laughs> Jim I can't say exactly that they were on a date yeah. per no, se. There, there were definitely, definitely some romantic could have undertones gone that but... direction if, if vengeance had gone. He <laughs> was like, yeah. <laughs> Brown chicken brown <laughs> <laughs> uh, What was her? Come back to my place. Um, I'll show you why they call me Madam Halloween. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> what the? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, she's now been disarmed anyway. So Jim tries to stop Vengeance, but instead she knocks him out and takes him away. And the good Detective Hallows was left behind with the hope that Interpol medics are competent competent enough to save her. After a skirmish with police at the port of Marseille, Vengeance and a now awake Jim Gordon head out to sea. 
Now free enough to ungag himself, he begins his questions, and in return, vengeance spills all. As it turns out, vengeance doesn't know whose who's vengeance she's enacting. On a mission for her organization, she came upon some interesting information, info that led her team to try to burn. So she squashed them. Joker had been in that place earlier and left a specific file for her to find, which was her own file. And the lab they were currently in had DNA on many superpowered people, including Bane, which is how she came to be. She was grown in a tube addicted to venom. Santa Prisca had great pride in Bane and as such wanted revenge for his death. Vengeance, however, despite the rage she holds for Joker, knows it's not her rage, it's Santa Prisca's. And since she abandoned yep. her previous organization... She's looking for a place to put her need for revenge and asks to use Jim Gordon as a way to do so. Joker has done many things to Jim's life, and she knows how good of a man Jim Gordon is, so she knows that he will not kill the Joker. She's going to do that for him. Jim thinks it's all good in theory, but he doesn't know where the Joker is. Good thing Vengeance knows exactly where to find the Joker. Now, there's not a lot of actual story in this issue, to be honest. Unless it just felt shorter... Because of it, the it was a lot of like back two to three chapters. Yeah, it was definitely a lot of backstory on vengeance yeah. and Bane and the whole Santa Prisca connection. So, which I thought was pretty much just dropping what's going on here yeah, with vengeance. I, yeah. I thought that was interesting backstory, but yeah, in terms of actual story progression, kind of kind of slow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, honestly, did yeah, you guys did you guys see this coming in any way, shape, or form? Vengeance being well, I mean, as close as, as as close as they possibly could be to a good guy. Kind of. Yeah, because I mean... There, there were some hints that they dropped with her demeanor and her actions that seemed like she's not 100% vengeful. Yeah. No, I mean, she's like, I mean, she said, look, he's he's got to die. I can't stop trying to kill him until he's dead. But I don't want to kill him for those people. So can 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 I please kill him for you? Will you please tell me? <laughs> please tell me I can kill him for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the fact that that even if that does go that direction and she succeeds in her mission, after that she's just gonna go try some of that living people keep talking about. Yeah, but I mean, it it seems like she's almost like will be unable to do something you know, normal after this. I mean, basically talks about how she's, you know, still addicted to Venom. She's been conditioned to be addicted to Venom, so there's not really much right. of a normal life you can have after that. You can certainly no, Well, try, imagine, but... imagine, well, yeah, but imagine a comic book arc with vengeance, you know, all about her coming out of that. Yeah, that would be a great I mean, arc. We've, we've seen something similar with Roy Harper, but I think that, I think that, you know, coming, coming, coming from coming at it from this angle i think it could be a pretty interesting story she's gonna have an arc where where vengeance tries to kick and she gets the shakes it's all bad yeah, <laughs> yeah. and she like you know while while they're going through this um i you know they learn that you know how to how to control those impulses and etc 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 i'm not saying make vengeance you know one of the one of the good guys mm. but you know it could definitely be one of them that ride down the middle. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think that would be fun. I, I think so too. Um, now, as far as it being slow, I think compared to the last two issues, this one was much more interesting. I've been kind of falling off Joker, but this one pulled me back in, man. 
Fair enough. I gave it an 8.75. I gave it an 8 myself. It was just a little too slow for my liking, but I'm still really... It, it kept my attention the whole issue. Mm. Yeah, no, the, the, the backstory stuff, all that, super interesting with Vengeance, but again, it's just... Yeah, the story progression has been... A, a little bit too slow for my tastes lately, especially when you know the first four issues were just like Jim is just moving, and this feels like it, it's being a little dragged out. Um, and again, I don't know if that's just because you know Tynan has other stuff in the works, or this was the story that he had always planned, and this is just kind of the midway point. But yeah, it's it's a little slow, so I ended up giving this one a seven point seven five out of ten. But I I right I. I have to highlight this panel from Guillaume March because it is just so amazing. Um, and it is like a recreation of the, you know, Bane about to snap Batman and he has him over his head. Mm-hmm. So gorgeous. I wish I could get a yeah. print of that. It was, uh, it was, it, it was, I, when I flipped the page and I saw that, I was like, oh, wow. Because yeah. that was not just the old image that was no, almost it was a like recreation it's amazing yeah and the, oh yeah. man it was really really good yeah uh, it was really hope good. i never fuck up my back like that i mean i don't assume i'm gonna fight a luchador <laughs> at any point but every time i see that like i just my skin tingles i'm just like fuck. no so <laughs> yeah for real all right all right i guess yeah, yeah Josh, i guess take it away with our backup we sure can. Written by Sam Johns and James Tynan IV, with art from Marissa Luis and Rosie Camp, with lettering from Ariana Mar. We are getting into punchline. Orca was most definitely helping Bluebird escape the situation that she was in last issue, and now it seems that she's also friends with Kelly as well. Turns out, just like we say way back in Gotham City Monsters, or Saw, excuse me. Uh, Orca, Orca, I can't talk at all today. <laughs> Orca is tired of being a hired killer for like anyone. She says that she'll never fight for some someone that asks her to again. Yeah, Orca, Orca had a great little moment in this one. I'm, I'm sure you love that. Yeah, absolutely, man. <laughs> so she she distracts Punchline's posse long enough for Harper to plan a hack into the security that will open up all of the doors. Punchline knows about it though. And they've got 10 minutes to get out, and six of that is going to be spent fighting Punchline and the entirety of the J-Block. The things, uh, things don't seem to be going well for Kelly and Harper, that is, until Orca shows up and evens out the grounds. Uh, Bluebird asks why she's fighting on her side, and Orca says it's because they didn't ask her to. Bluebird manages to get Kelly outside of the prison, but it looks like they aren't the only ones to make it outside. And, of course, the next title is On the Outside. Hmm. (laughs) So, man, I mean, I like this art. It looks good. I think the colors are even better. But there are some things art-wise that are off for me. Uh, In the fight scene, in the page after, it almost looks like somebody else drew it. Also, I want to say Orca's face looks a little bit too human in this one. Um (laughs) But altogether, I'm still reading it, so it's definitely getting a 7.5 from me. Nice. Honestly, that criticism was, I think, something that I liked because Orca is like traditionally freaked me out a little bit because he just had such a <laughs> like, freaky looking shark face. So this one was looking like a bit more like um, anthropomorphic, and I was like, oh, okay. 
it's a little better. It's, <laughs> it's like when they draw Croc as like really looking like a lizard. It's like no, that's way too much. Way too much. You need to have needs to look a little bit human. Um, but yeah, other. Th- I hope you're not reading Batman Reptilian. Uh yeah, no, I dropped off that one, but um, yeah, <laughs> uh, maybe that's a good thing. Um, you're like nope. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I thought the the art was pretty solid. Um, I couldn't believe this was the same artist who had done the Cloud Hunter story because the art in that was not completely crazy. Yeah, and not that great. So I, I think that really shows the difference a, a colorist can make. It just it looked a lot better here, um, and the story was was pretty solid. Again, you know, it's it's not a ton of story, so uh, the progression isn't going to be much. And I know I kind of criticized Joker for that, but I feel like this story is kind of working with what it has. Like, you know, it only has you know eight pages, so really just trying to do as much as it can and and i'm i feel satisfied with it so um i'm still enjoying them still love seeing harper's adventures so i gave this one an eight out of ten yep again we're right up there brandon i gave it an eight out of ten as (laughs) well um but i i enjoyed the pacing in this one a little bit more i feel like Mm. we got a lot more story progression i we're going somewhere with the story she's out of the prison she's got kelly like we're punchline is in her costume now and she's taken over the prison officially i'm gonna miss orca at least but <laughs> we're actually getting somewhere well did, did she... well i mean there were people that got yeah, out did she break out yeah. i mean assuming, we don't know yeah, everybody other than get her everything everybody other than harper and kelly are in black so yeah. we don't see who any of them actually are yes yeah, so maybe yeah. totally possible yeah, I, I hope so it'd be so bluebird and orca <laughs> that, yeah, it almost oh, sounds. It almost sounds like yeah. it's got a little that, bit of that a ring to it. That sounds like it a does. like a fun series, like a fun duo yeah. series. Oh yeah, the shore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they handle aquatic oh, crimes. They, yeah, they fight. Um, what's his face? Tiger shark. Bluebird oh. and orca, Gotham Shores. Yeah, that's awesome. Oh, perfect. Everybody's that. Stick just to the pier. Yep. They don't go into Hell the waters. Yeah. That's Aquaman's territory. They don't yeah. go into the city. That's Batman's territory. What? Maybe. Uh, are you kidding me? Gotham City River so dirty that even Aquaman yeah. stays the hell yeah. out of it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But altogether, man, I'm not annoyed by the main story anymore, and I was getting there. I'm really interested in both of them. Overall, whole issue is getting an 8.25. My only thing is, is can somebody tell me what Sweeney Boo is working on right now? I don't know because I I'm, I missed that art yeah, already. <laughs> no, probably, probably your next uh, graphic novel or creator own project or something. But yeah, I hope she comes back soon. Her stuff is got to got to track it down yeah, for sure. Her stuff is great. No, no offense to this art. I just I really like that Sweeney Boo. I never well, heard of them until they showed up here. Yeah, but we're, oh yes, we're all in it. agreement on that. Or, or, or like the, yeah, Sweeney Boo stuff so great, so great. As you once said, Josh, it was Sweeney Bootastic. <laughs> it was Sweeney Bootastic. Oh, Did I say that? Yeah. It sounds like something I would say. Ooh, that's rough. <laughs> that is rough. All right. And you're lucky I didn't come up with some kind of uh, Sweeney Todd. Yeah, I'm surprised you didn't parody. go there. I, I felt like it would have been the obvious one. Um, but yeah, anyway, speaking of fun duo books, let's move on to our next one, which is a, a very fun duo book, I would say, and that is Blue and gold number three. After these messages, we'll be right back. Now, back to our program. Rob, I'll let you take it away with that one. All right. This number three was by writer Dan Jurgens, with art by Cully Hamner, 
Colors from Chris Sotomayor and Letters by Rob Lee. The Omnizon has arrived at the UN building in New York City with the, intent, with the intention of claiming her rightful place as ruler. At the same time, boosters at the new offices of Blue and Gold Inc. If that was the name, I don't remember. Mm. Or at least he would be if the first rent was paid. He calls Ted Cord to ask what's going on, but before Ted can tell him the bad news, Booster hears an explosion. And this explosion was Omnizon activating a laser weapon of some kind, which pulls people toward her. Some of those people being UN representatives. Booster intervenes and tries to talk her down by explaining that the leaders of the world won't just give up and kneel, and as expected, she attacks. Booster's shield holds her off for a few minutes before Blue Beetle arrives to help the effort. Beetle leaps around, putting some hurt on, but in a pause gets caught by Omnizon in the throat. Booster tries to intimidate her, but Beetle says he's got it, and with a push of a button on his belt, a new invention of his pops out of the buggy. This invention looks like a Blue Beetle version of Skeets, and it's called Buggles. It's the very first action to... Its very first action is to blast Omnizon with a fiery laser and she disappears. Booster freaks out that Buggles killed her, but Beetle slows him down and they move away from the crowd to talk. Ted finally breaks the bad news to Booster. He's broke. As they start to think about what they can do next, an old friend shows up in Trixie Collins, offering a couple of solutions. She has some office space they can use despite no, having no money. And Skeets has an idea for that one. Crowdsourcing. With all the streams Booster plays... They have tons of fans who would be willing to help out. Booster loves it, but just one problem, Ted killed Omnizon. Fans aren't going to like that. But as Ted assures Booster, appearances can be deceiving. What the laser from Buggles was is actually a transportation beam. Deep in a Louisiana swamp, Omnizon appears, vowing revenge on Booster and Blue Beetle. Now we, we talked a lot about art today, and honestly, I didn't really love it in this issue. I don't know, yeah. it was just me, I... No, I mean, Cully Hamner is is great, usually. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've seen some stuff from him that I love, but uh, stylistically, yeah. with, you know, the previous bit. Ryan Sick art, mm, it just looked like kind of a downgrade. Yeah, some of the faces just seemed a little off. Yeah. Normally, I like Cully Hamner, but yeah, yeah the, the faces just seemed a little off this time. Yeah. But I still love the book, and I, I still wish this was ongoing. It's... It's such a fun read, and I, I love every time Dan Jurgens gets his hands on Booster Gold, especially with Blue Beetle. Yeah, the, yeah this... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Uh, this, I was going to say, this is an 8 out of 10 for me. It's just so much fun. Yeah, no, this... I'd been kind of a little lukewarm on the first two issues, but even though the art was kind of wonky in this issue, this one was actually a lot of fun. I think I'm, I'm really just kind of enjoying the ride so far. Like, I finally settled into it. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to get into the next one. I hope... You know, maybe the art situation picks up. Maybe this was just a fill-in, a last-minute fill-in. But other than that, it was a lot of fun. And I um, think maybe has my, my favorite line of the week, uh, which is a panel in which Booster Gold is like, we'll be back for pics and autographs. And the guy's like, did anyone ask? Just like, <laughs> All right. No one cares about you, um, which was, it was great. So, yeah, I gave this an 8 out of 10, too. It was just a lot of fun. Oh, yeah, uh, Trixie is back. I think that's cool. That's very cool. I think I think the voices are still good. Of course, the art looks all right. It's it's good, but I feel like it it wasn't uniform, and I've definitely seen better. But uh, 
I, I don't know, man. I like the new Buggles. This new villain is getting on my nerves. Omnizon, right? Yeah. Yeah, that that just, she she's already getting on my nerves. I'll walk around like, this is my boomstick. Another six feet. Arg! I will kill all of you. <laughs> so I hope that gets a little bit better. Let's see what happens. Um, Blue and gold did, gold did fall a little bit for me this week down to 7.25 out of 10. Fair enough. I love that Trixie's back, though, and Buggles is cool. I, I didn't know who Trixie Collins was. I, I admit, I don't know a ton about Booster Gold's backstory. Well, she's from, like, way back in the day. Oh, uh, okay. Like, I, it, like yeah, when he first came out. Wow. Yeah, that's cool. I love, a, I love a good deep cut. Right. All right. What do we got next? Our next one is Justice League Last Ride. Um, just give me a moment. I gotta pull up my actual notes for this one. Oh, all right. Uh, this is what I get for putting it in notes and not in my actual document. I completely forgot that this was the penultimate issue. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, I've had to sit throughout this entire episode and completely redefine my opinion on this ep- on this issue. I mean, did you get to the end and think this was uh, like that was it? Yeah, I was. Really? Yeah, I was like, oh really? It was what kind like of Marsh- bullshit is this? Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, like, I don't want to spoil the ending before we get yeah. there, but yeah, I was like, what? What the? Yeah. Oh yeah, he, it was on my biggest thinker. Yeah, no. If if that had been if that had been the last issue, it would have been like ridiculous because yeah. Yeah. yeah it wouldn't have tied anything up but um yeah i guess i guess we should actually get into it so justice league last ride number six a penultimate issue from writer chip zadarsky with art from miguel Menoncha, colors from the great enrica angelini and letters from and world design um this is a kind of like the last issue a, a fairly i felt like i want a fairly quick issue um Really, it was definitely a quick read. Yeah, it was a very quick read. Um, just we get some kind of um, uh, some sort of last minute, you know, wrap ups, tie ins, kind of tying everything together before we get to our big, you know, final issue. But um, as we open on our story, we reveal that Darkseid's backup plan was a series of clones that we saw in the last issue, and Batman is sort of like. Well, if he's not here, so there's no way that you could actually enact it. And then has this super dramatic turn. He's like, well, that was quite the plan, wasn't it? Dark side. And then Dun 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 plays in the background and reveals that Hal Jordan has actually been possessed by Dark Side this entire time. And that's why he's been running around in the Kingdom Come armor. And, um, I mean, has been acting fairly normal, but uh, I guess Batman is quite the detective, as Darkseid points out. And, unfortunately, Bruce is not able to thwart Darkseid's plans before he is able to transmute his mind into one of the backup clones, in addition to gaining access to Hal's um, power ring and uh, kind of becomes this super badass Omega Green Lantern Darkseid and has the full power of the power battery at his disposal, which he kind of illustrates was his entire plan all along to get access to the power battery and take everything back to Apocalypse so he could restart the planet and 
All of this is happening amidst the Justice League battling the forces of the Cyborg, Superman, Brainiac, um, you know, symbiote team working together alongside a band of other people who are trying to, you know, get their revenge at Lobo. And um, <clears throat> we reveal after uh, uh, Desaad's base is destroyed that um, really this was Darkseid's master plan from day one, that he had hired um, Lobo to basically uh, take out a bounty or that a bounty was placed on the Justice League and he had hired Lobo to, you know, basically bring them to Apocalypse so that he could do everything he wanted in his master plan in one fell swoop and take out the Justice League, restart Apocalypse, get his Furies back and do everything that he needed to. Um, but luckily, uh, Batman, with the power of space capitalism, is able to hire Lobo as their bounty hunter and uh, work together um, to take down uh, Darkseid's forces um, and in a way that only the Justice League would be capable of doing. Um, and uh, as they are all about to kind of converge on Darkseid and his forces as he's resurrected the Parademons and some of the Furies um, using the Green Lantern ring, uh, he reveals that someone else was resurrected in the process and that someone else is none other than totally should have seen this coming because the foreshadowing has been there like since the first issue. John John's the Martian Manhunter returned from the grave as a Green Lantern construct. Uh, so pretty cool. A lot of, a lot of crazy stuff going on. Um, I think this issue definitely felt like uh, we're getting to the end, so we kind of have to move everything oh, yeah. in place, which is both good and bad. Uh, bad in the sense that it felt like it was a little rushed in some places, but I think good in that a lot of the you know characterizations and... Um, you know, dialogue and action scenes and all that stuff was really on par, and um, I, I felt like Zadarsky really nailed all of the characters, especially Darkseid. I love this version of of Dark. I, I love any version of Darkseid, really, but this this version, uh, this I don't know, this version of Darkseid for me really, is pretty. You cool. like Baby Darkseid? Well, I mean, you like he, Baby Darkseid? He, he had his moments. <laughs> He was he was better than I don't know teenage Darkseid or whatever they were trying to do at some point uh, that I saw uh, I think that was in Justice League Odyssey I don't know. I saw like a image of it and I was like yeah no I'm good <laughs> this is why I'm not reading this book um, but <laughs> my favorite version of Darkseid is um, just punched in the face Darkseid <laughs> yeah 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 that's a good version yeah um, but yeah no this. Uh, Again, as as a part of the story, I would say this issue was was you know serviceable, did its job, it was pretty enjoyable, great art as usual. But as kind of like a standalone thing, you really can feel that yeah, this is the issue where we just really kind of need to get to the final part so we can tie everything together. Um, so with that, I'm going to give it a very tentative. 8.5 it's probably closer to an 8.25 while i did have a lot of fun reading it if you were someone that was just like uh justice league i'm just gonna pick up this issue and see what's going on do not do that this would make zero sense like at all um and like you would be reading this and be like why does dark side have a green lantern ring what the fuck is going on with a martian manhunter what's all this stuff about you know how Jordan being possessed, like it would just be very confusing. So as a standalone, it doesn't really operate. 
as part of the larger story, it works decently well, I would say. But I, I'm at least excited for how everything is going to tie up. So, like I said, 8.5, we'll put like a pin on that, probably closer to 8.25. But uh, anyway, how did you guys feel? <laughs> I fucking hated oh, it. Oh, shit. <laughs> 30 minutes ago. Uh. Um, <laughs> yeah, that must have been confusing as hell, no, man. It was. I was like, what the shit, man? This doesn't make any damn sense at all. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I had a rant and everything. It was just crazy. But knowing that it is a transitional issue into the last, basically tying our shoes before we start to run that last stretch there, mm-hmm. it it makes it a pretty damn good issue. I did enjoy it. The art is fantastic. Mm-hmm. It, it does tie everything up. Like Brandon said... We should have seen it coming a mile away, but I did not see Martian Manhunter coming a mile away. And I'm very curious as to why he's a Green Lantern construct. Yeah, I don't don't know what's going on with that. But yeah, they had that whole thing of like Bruce was getting greens and it's like, oh, he's coming back, isn't he? Because you got to have a full Justice League for a story like this. Even if it is their last ride. Even if it is their last ride. I, I got to go back to whatever issue, issue three or four when they detailed Jean's last moments about how it was he perished. I know Apocalypse practically exploded without blowing up, mm-hmm. and that's what killed Jean. But did he kind of meld himself with the core of Apocalypse, and that's what, like, was he trying to... Maybe. I don't remember that, because that might explain why he's back as a construct yeah no what from what i remember it was they knew that to stop the um what was it like the they were like boom tube bombs or something like that um basically to stop those from you know being sent off they needed to drain the core of apocalypse and so batman sent martian manhunter to do that and that's why superman was super mad but yeah i mean i guess we we were just sort of meant to assume like oh the core is fire Martian Manhunter's weak to fire. Of course, he's going to die. But, yeah, we never really see it, so, um, yeah. That damn off-panel action. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure there, we'll get that in the next issue. There is a bit in, I think, Season 5 of Supergirl mm-hmm. that you guys might think is really stupid, and it did kind of seem stupid at the time. <laughs> if you don't want spoilers, I'll stop now if you're, <laughs> you're going to watch the show at all. But if if you're not... So, Martian Manhunter is on the show. He's been on the show since season one. He's a, he's a staple on the show. Mm-hmm. His dad actually survived the Mars attack and was living on Earth with him. And he was getting a bit of dementia. It was very sad. It was going through the season and whatnot. Well, there was this villain that was causing this big earthquake and it was going to destroy the city, destroy the planet. And John's dad said, I'm going to use this ancient Martian technique. Mm-hmm. I'm going to combine myself with the earth and I will use my own body to prevent the earthquakes. But that would mean becoming part of the earth and losing himself as a whole. So that would be the goodbye with Jean and his dad. And Mm -hmm. it's a sad moment. So you're saying Zdarsky is a Supergirl fan. (laughs) That's maybe because it it might be just exactly where that's going. Uh. Jean just fused himself with Apocalypse and that's why... Batman was getting dreams and hints that John was still alive and then boom, Darkseid revitalizes the planet and that revitalizes John with it. 
Maybe. Maybe you're both right. Maybe he's a Supergirl fan and also he thought of this. <laughs> Who knows? I will say, though, um, like like Brandon said, um, just picking a random issue up of this is not a good idea. No. <laughs> but, no. Oh, my God. Um, if you can get them cheap enough, go out and buy the single issues or wait until this is in trade because this will no doubt be in a trade. Oh, yeah. yeah. But um, it, it so far is a pretty damn good story. I've liked it now that I know that this isn't the ending and we've got one more issue to go. I like it even more. <laughs> so, um, yeah, stick around. Buy that one. Absolutely. Or at least wait until we review number seven and then do it. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny it's just so funny to me that you thought this was the end because i just like that would have been that would have blown my mind if that was the ending of just like what the it what the hell did. i'm like zadarsky what the fuck yes like, what is <laughs> that makes no sense I would, ex- I would expect this from a lesser dude but i mean i feel like he lives for the conclusion you know yeah yeah no well that i mean the, it's not even a conclusion it's literally just like a it is a cliffhanger. That is it. It is like a yeah. oh okay, that would be the end. But thankfully, it's well, not. yeah, that's why I was so confused. Yeah, yeah, and mad. I was like mad. <laughs> I almost I mean, wish he, we hadn't he made, told me, you. He made it to my biggest stinker. Yeah, I almost wish we hadn't told you. We could have seen your uncut reaction. Oh no! Wait till the end and then tell him. Yeah. All right, you want to hear it? It's a dude, I'm so pissed. I don't get this at all. It feels like an open ending. It stopped three quarters of the way through a story. Zadarsky, you're one of my favorite writers. How could you do this? Yeah. Six out of ten. That's what what I did. You would have given this a six out of ten if that had been the last issue. I'd have given this a four out of ten if that had been the last issue. Did you see the art? Even even with the art, like that's not even, it's not even an ending. It's literally just like a... What? Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> he said I would have given it a four. All right, so I wasn't as bad as I <laughs> Cool. <laughs> I'm glad to see that the Justice League isn't falling apart anymore. Yeah, yeah, no, and and like I said from the beginning, it's just nice to read a really good Justice League story. You can take that however you want. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, we'll move on to our last title for this week, and that is Titans United number two. Uh, Josh, go ahead, man. All right. This one was written by Kevin Scott with <laughs> art from Jose, Jose Luis, uh, Jonas Trinidad, Rex Locus with a cover from Jamal Campbell, and letters by Carlos M. Mangual. This picks right up where we left off, and Hawk is being Hawk. Instead of waiting for the team to take on Kite Man that has the power of all the Titans... He gets clobbered, and the rush show up and keep Kite Man busy. Meanwhile, Connor is poking around in the back computer, pulling up info about Kite Man, and he finds ties from him to the guy from last issue that had the powers. Turns out that they were both pre- uh, treated by the same prison doctor. After the Titans take down Kite Man, Dick gets chewed out by Batman for the hacking of the back computer momentarily. Meanwhile, Connor decides he's going to head over solo style to that doctor's house. They follow him there, the Titans, to find out that he used to work for Cadmus. He had been collecting DNA from the Titans for years, and they were giving inmates Titans powers, or at least trying to. 
As one might imagine, Superboy is not a big fan of Cadmus and experimenting on people against their will. And while they argue, Dr. Rosbeck says he'll help them. But they have to keep him safe. And wouldn't you know it, an arrow hits him mid-sentence. Yeah. Don't you hate that? <laughs> Gotta hate it when somebody, you know, yeah. just kills somebody you're in the middle of talking to. But Connor and Nightwing go after the archer but lose them. Dr. Rosbeck dies. They find out that the archer is none other than, drumroll please, Lady Vic. And that's really not a good thing. Yeah, I didn't they know Lady off. Vic was an archer. I thought she just did swords and stuff. She 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 does everything yeah. and stuff, but um, <laughs> uh, they go off after Lady Vic and Connor takes off pissed off because he's been taken off active duty. Uh, he flies straight into space and he can't breathe. Starfire was right behind him, but she can't find him anywhere. Why? Because Blackfire scooped him up first yeah. and strapped him to a table. Uh, also, I don't I don't know why that's happening. And also, cool metal lion. This this is this is pretty cool, man. I'm enjoying it because, okay. So while we're while we're looking at it, it's probably like Brandon said, most definitely a promotional book to uh, you know bump up viewership for the Titans show. Yeah, this is completely separate from that show. It does have the same oh, cast yeah, members yeah, a I, lot, like, but th- yeah, the storyline here is totally different. It feels very comic booky. It feels within the normal universe. Um, I do enjoy the hell out of it. Uh, these characters are their own characters. They're the normal com- comic book characters, Raven, Red Hood, Nightwing, Connor. Those are the ones we know. So I like this man. The, uh, the pencils and inks are just wonderful. The story's got me wondering what's going to happen next, so I happily give this an 8 out of 10. Yeah, this was everything I wanted the Titan show to be, and, and I, like I you know, like Josh said, I kind of thought it was just going to be a, a sort of nothing tie-in to the TV show, just kind of promotional fodder so you can just, you know, promote the show, but it's it's really fun. It's, it's just like a, a... If you're just looking for a fun Titans book with a cast of characters that you like from Titans, this is exactly that. It is so inoffensive, but so enjoyable. It's just really nice. Um, That's a good way of putting yeah, it. Yeah, it's like, I, I, yeah, th- this is, this is I think, like I said, what, what I would have loved this show. Personally, again, I won't take the joy from anyone else, but what I kind of wanted <laughs> it to be. And yeah, I'm just like, I'm enjoying the hell out of it right now. Oh, yeah. Um. I forgot what I was gonna say, but yeah, it is a it is a pretty damn good story, and I like the team that they pulled together on it. I I liked it when it was announced for the Titans show, so seeing it in comic book form is super cool. Yeah, man. yes, I gave this one an eight out of ten too. Now, uh oh, <laughs> you know when I started like that, yeah, that dramatic I think I pause. I know why Blackfire's in the story. You think you know why? Yeah. Is it because she's also on the show? She's in season three, yeah. (laughs) That's the whole bloody reason. And and that is part of why I gave this a six point seven five. I it's an enjoyable story, but honestly it still feels too much like an ad for the series for me. The the voices for some of the characters are a little off putting for me. The the book doesn't feel that important to everything else we're reading right now 
it oh, is that's just true. a comic and it can be just a story but it doesn't have that same oomph that i would need from just a story mm. it's it's very simple in a way and it's it just feels too much like an ad for the tv show for me to to really get into it because even just seeing all these characters together on one titans team despite everything else is going on with them right now and then you throw blackfire into the mix it's just solidifying that and it i i can't completely get on board with that i'm still enjoying the story but i can't completely get on board with it so that that gets a 6.75 for me yeah i totally get it i i will say that that if I could have one complaint, it is that Jason is kind of annoying in this. Like, it just Jason, well, yeah, very like every time he opens his mouth, he has to say some smart ass, and it's like, dude, stop all talking. the character development he's had in the past six months. Yeah, he's like, still a dick in this. I know. It's like, well, stop. this is not in continuity though. This is this is a, a standalone story, just like Last Ride. Yeah, so, I but mean, it's, I think it's we almost do have like to keep that haven't in. we moved past the point where Jason has to be the guy who's always got you know some smart aleck thing to say it's like uh, like put that away for a little bit because every time he talks it's literally like here's uh, the thing stop talking that's what batman sidekicks do shoulder in season three of titans oh well i never got past season one so i i don't know (laughs) i mean i i only saw jason as robin and i mean i thought that um I thought the actor did a great job because oh, yeah. the moment I saw him, I was like, I hate you. <laughs> Which <laughs> yeah. is like, you yes. did your job, right? That's exactly how I should feel about Jason as Robin, but um, yeah. Side note, um, I know, and I don't know if I mentioned this at the beginning of the show, but I fully intended to. We talk about Titans show a lot. Check out Doom Patrol because that show is awesome. Yes. That is a great show. I love that show. I still got to finish season one, but my god, that show's amazing. Yeah, that that it, and it, it really is that and Harley Quinn. Those shows. Oh are yeah, so good. yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's something about the intro to Doom Patrol that just g- gets inside me. I don't know, dude. It's like <laughs> I I, it's it, yeah. it's it's a little disturbing. It feels yeah. very emotional. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's 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 really weird, but it it makes me feel like for the characters. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's and the pretty show cool. itself is just a trip. Like the Raiders were on acid the whole. Time. Oh yeah, but but they took an incredible amount, like almost a shocking amount of influence from the Grant Morrison Doom Patrol stuff. Almost, it's not beat oh, for yeah. beat, but the amount of stuff that they were able to adapt from that run, like uh, there is still some stuff I yeah. could not fucking believe. They were like, "All right, we're gonna put this on screen," and the the producers were like, "Yeah, sure, go for it." <laughs> Like they, you um, want to do what with a donkey? Yes, yes. With the um, what the hell yeah. is it? The um, the That's singing horse. Willoughby Kipling yeah. uses like the singing horse to give them information. Oh. That is that is taken directly from the comic, and I was like, I cannot Absolutely. believe someone was like, yeah, all right, let's go with this. So um, I I haven't caught up in a little bit, but I sincerely hope that. They are able to adapt one of my favorite issues of Doom Patrol, which is where Larry Trainer gives birth to an egg that is a reincarnated version of him. That issue is still, I think, hands down, the craziest fucking thing I've ever read in my life. 
and it's like it if is you, if you, beyond if you adapt that to an episode i will love you forever producers of doom patrol like please something's do that. going on with them right now because the negative spirit has uh saluted yeah yeah off. i was like please please do that please i would love to see just someone's reaction to that um and how psychedelic you could actually get with it but yeah and if you're still not sold it's the triumphant return of Brendan Fraser. Yeah, you gotta love off. him. Yeah, that's. I feel like that was the pitch. Yeah. All right. Okay, HBO. Look, this is what we're gonna do here. Um, a bunch of DC characters in the same show. They're fucking weird, though, right? But here's the thing: Brendan Fraser is a mad robot, and Timothy Dalton's in a wheelchair. Say go. And he's <laughs> like, yeah, Brendan Fraser's great in it. Like he's he's such oh, a yeah, he's he such a great robot man. It's perfect. Yeah. Every, I, I think everybody does a really good job. Oh, yeah. yeah and I can't guys. wait to the point where they get to have um, the negative man uh, get past this part of his story arc. Yeah. You know, and, and become the more confident version of himself. Mm. That would be great. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a great show. And um, yeah, no, I, 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 I Check I'm, it out. yeah, I'm, I'm excited that this did well enough that that Brendan Fraser is able to do more stuff in in Hollywood. That's always nice. As yeah. much as I, I no more wheeze in the juice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the cyborg edition on this show, I think, is is a very interesting edition mm. and probably the the most grounded character. You probably have to have one grounded character on the show. Mm. I think I, I Cyborg being on the show was more. I th- sorry, I think Cyborg being more on the show was more of an attraction thing. Yeah, like let, here's here's one character that people know we can throw anywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and he and he works pretty well Cyborg with the team. I think. Yeah, it works really well with the team. I I just would have loved to have seen a Cyborg palling around with the Titan. Mm. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Because I guess they're like that whole universe is they're like fully divorced. Because I remember in season one they had that episode where he meets the doom patrol but i don't even know yeah. if any of that's still tied together i, I no, took that as like the backdoor pilot yeah recently that's been described as two different universes yeah because they had a different actor playing the chief um and yeah. it just like tonally it was completely different yeah and i mean the in the in the doom patrol tv show uh that gar was never there and yeah. in the titans show that's where they get gar from is the doom patrol yeah so i, I guess i guess it was more of like a yeah, like a fun little, like you said, a backdoor pilot, an Easter egg type thing, and to see how people would react. Yeah, I guess they liked it enough, so we we could get more weird shit. Um, Invisible focus group. Love it, love it. Um, so before we head to our favorite part of the show, our top three books for the week, uh, we are going to give a brief lightning round uh, mention, honorable mention type of thing to um, two books from this week that are not critically important but i think we kind of just wanted to make you know everyone aware that they are out um so i'm gonna let josh take the first one and i will mention the second one uh i i read wonder woman (laughs) and wonder woman has kind of i've had a problem with it i think that this whole trip through all of the gods thing was just unnecessary it annoyed the shit out of me but I'm proud to announce that she is finally home. This issue didn't have a whole lot to do other than her finally arriving at home and talking to the various Amazonians and and members of the Justice League and just, you know, like kind of like, hi guys, I'm back. 
and and um, it's 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 simply a transition to wherever her story is going from here. So she may, Diana may work her way back onto the onto the podcast. She may stay off. It depends on how the uh, next issue handles itself, and we'll have to wait and see. Cool. Yeah, um, I didn't get a chance to read Wonder Woman, but I'll try and check it out at some point. Um, but. The next one is is Batman Urban Legends, which um, Rob, I think you also got a chance to read. Yeah. Um, and that issue, according to the cover at least, was supposed to be a tie into Fear State. There are certainly elements of that in two out of the four stories that we have, um, but largely they're not very uh, important to the overall uh, Fear State mythology. The first one is just a story that focuses on Batwoman teaming up with Batgirl to you know go against the anti-oracle called seer and seemingly takes place before the start of fear state but after the fear state alpha so it's at like this weird point in between where they're just on this little side mission and it's fun the whole anthology itself like the whole issue is is a very solid collection of stories i would say but they're not very essential um the outsider story is more set in the world of fear state but doesn't really have any importance on any of the stuff that's happening in Batman right now. And again, if you're looking for solid stories that are loosely related to some of the stuff, uh, you could, you know, do no worse than this. Um, and uh, um, I, I think, Rob, also you kind of wanted to mention the uh, Azrael story. That's kind of a shorter one, but a definitely a pretty solid one, too, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. It's it might not have been my favorite of the bunch, and I, I still have to read Professor Pig, but the the Azrael story I think was was a very nice take on Azrael. Mm-hmm. And as Josh mentioned, it's it's an Azrael that is more familiar to when we first met him in the '90s, and and it's an Azrael that I don't think we've seen in a while. That's I think is a nice reintroduction to this version, and I think hopefully people will appreciate it more and i'm i'm excited to to see more of this version of Azrael. yeah definitely i mean at least it gives some kind of flavor to the guy yeah like i said before the podcast i mean in this iteration of him he's a religious zealot that just in love with violence mm. when he's not that guy he's he's literally like sixth rank batman with nothing to do <laughs> pretty much with flaming oh, swords down two places when you last before he was fourth rank batman now he's sixth jeez well i'm i was thinking i'm like we got to work in all the other bat people first i mean he was batman oh, so once. he's more like ninth he was batman yeah. once yeah. he did a bad well, job yeah, at but it was, but... was he a, i was gonna say he, was he a good batman? no but mm-hmm. he at least wore the cow at least second rank batman <laughs> who's the first rank Oh, Dick Grayson. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, I, I, might, I might actually have to agree with you on that one. Uh, I love Dick Grayson as Batman. but um. the, the the reason why Dick Grayson makes such a good Batman is that that character doesn't want to be Batman. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think he just, I mean, honestly had such a great dynamic with Damien as Robin and that whole, yeah. like, really good time. yeah, that, that whole stuff was just great. Um, Bruce picked the oh, best yeah. time to die. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, well, he went how, out in how, a big way. So, how how did you guys feel about Red Wing and Jaybird? The that was 
Oh, that was uh during Batman Inc. Wasn't it? Yeah, Batman? yeah. When um, what's his name? When they were trying to fake Jason Dan Todd and yeah, Damian yeah. teamed up. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't mind that. It it was interesting. It's it was just like a a one off thing for that story. Yeah. Though, so I didn't mind that. It was interesting. I don't know if that would be like a a new persona for those two. Yeah, I mean, from what I remember reading that, it was just like. You know, Damien was just like, I just need another identity so I can sneak off and, and be a hero. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah so it was, kind of just, cool it was something. It was something that popped into my head, just briefly. Mm -hmm. Seeing how we're seeing Jason make so many personality changes and 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 putting down shooting people and Damien off on his own with self exploration, coming back to the good side of things. But Tim Drake has picked up the mantle of Robin again. So where does that leave? Where does that leave Damien? And I was it just kind of like you know dominoes. I was like, well, Damien and Red Hood could both change together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that would be interesting. Yeah, no. Well, I mean, well, if you read Urban Legends this week, you'll be even more confused as to the status of Tim Drake and whatever oh, he no. chooses to call himself this month. Yeah. You know what? Well, the more recent times we've seen him, he's been calling himself Red Robin. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I don't know. He's dressed as Robin. He's calling himself Red Robin. Sometimes yeah. he's moonlighting as Robin. I, I don't know. I don't know. It's like, I guess... Poor Tim, man. I mean, yeah. Okay, so you got a point. The, the character is clearly... He's come out as bisexual. He's dressed as one character, calling himself another. The dude is in the middle of an identity crisis. Yeah, yeah. So it's the per perfect time to be asking yourself fundamental questions about your identity in, yeah, in the midst the of another am identity. I, man? I know i don't know who i Here's am the thing about bisexuality though and i i, I almost every bisexual goes through this if not every <laughs> single one mm -hmm. you question yourself every fucking day i've been aware of myself i've been out for fucking 15 years now mm -hmm. and even just last week i was like am i am i sure i'm not straight like you do that all the time. But, so but, honestly, the Tim having this identity crisis, he doesn't know what to call himself, is totally in fucking. But but do you do you Rob also do that while running around in a red and green costume, uh, fighting? Do you not? I mean, not <laughs> lately, but you know. He's like, are you shitting me? Uh, <laughs> it's red and black. Though. <laughs> yeah. Well, in Canada, it's got to be red and white. Oh, of course, oh, there you go. of course, you got to represent Don't the you colors. Know? <laughs> um, all right, should we move on to our uh, top three for the week? I suppose it's enough time to. All right, well, as previously mentioned, our favorite part of the show where we get to break down our top three books for the week and a standout moment if we have one. So I'm going to let Rob kick it off and uh, and give us his top three and favorite moment. All right, so my number three is I Am Batman. It's just really enjoyable. I'm loving where they're going with Jace. Number two... I had Superman and the Authority. I scored that an 8.75. And the only reason it's a number two is because my number one book scored exactly the same. And I don't remember if I actually gave my score during my review of it. Mm. But my number one goes to Justice League Last Ride. I enjoyed both books probably equally as much as the other. The only reason Last Ride gets the number one spot is because of dark side as a green lantern just that was awesome like, wow so yeah. awesome that's <laughs> the only thing that puts it above yeah like i mean it it is totally shallow but i love that suit so much yeah 
it was just such a total fool. It was one thing that that he was in, like, inside Hal the whole time, but for him to actually have a Green Lantern pilot, yeah, child. Uh, it's just it's totally fan service, but I loved it. Yeah, and my, my favorite moment is actually from what the hell's it called? Uh, Urban Legends during the Azrael story. I just it, this line was so funny to me. Batman was talking to Jean Paul about all the goings on. And Batman mentions that there's somebody going around with a battle axe chopping heads off. And Asriel goes, that's the first time hearing about it. I don't use a battle axe. We're in the middle of a city. That would be insane. I use a <laughs> sword. <laughs> oh, man. Perfect. Yeah, it's great. That would be insane. That is epic, dude. I want to yeah. read that story just for that line. Now. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's super solid. Yeah. That's awesome. All right, Josh, how about you? All right, mine are in reverse order. Number three is going to go to Titans United. I really enjoyed that. I loved the way that it it came out. Keep in mind that I made my top three list before Last Ride was uh, revealed to me. But um, I did. I, I still, Titans United and Last Ride had the uh, same score. And I really enjoyed them both. But Titans United, I don't know. There was something about it that just made me like it a little bit more. And number two went to the Joker pulled me back in and got me super curious about where the hell this is going because honestly at up until this point this just felt like a Jim Gordon side book and and it was like okay it's a Jim Gordon book at least he's not dressing up like bunny batman um (laughs) but uh it's it's back it's good I like it so that's number two and number one and uh, I don't even think I have to explain why, but my number one goes to Superman and the Authority. Nice. Amazing book. My favorite moment was finding out that Vengeance isn't as one-dimensional a character as her inspiration Bane. Jeez. You don't like I'm, Bane? I'm, I'm, Good old no, Bane, Bane, Bane got aggravating to me after being handled so differently by so many different writers. Yeah, that's valid. It, it just the character lost all all of its steam for me mm. nightfall came out i couldn't get enough of the guy <laughs> at one time i had every single issue Jeez. Oh, all right well my top three uh coming in at number three i'm actually going to pick something that's not on our list and that is batman the imposter number one this was just i mean i was you know, Epic. I, I hadn't I hadn't really expected much. I mean, I knew it was going to be great with with art at least from Andrea Sorrentino, but um, it's just I I was gripped. I was really really gripped and impressed with this this story so far. So I'm definitely going to check out the next one um, eagerly, uh, awaiting that one. And number two, I had Justice League Last Ride. Number six, even if it was you know just kind of in service to get to the final issue, it was still really well done and. Uh, I just love the art in this book and the story so much. But at number one, like with Josh, it's no contest. I had to give it to Superman and the Authority, number four. That was just my favorite book easily. Um, But my favorite moment I'm going to pick from Batman Urban Legends. And in fact, I had to pull out my copy just to look at it. But it is a a double-page spread of Batwoman and Cassandra Cain fighting and it is just such a cool layout i just cannot stop yeah, looking at it um Ooh, that much does cassandra win uh well yeah they're fighting against like magistrate troops and they're basically just oh. working together and it they're is super together yeah. not, not against it is super cool. damn yeah, super cool. <laughs> and 
Um, this, that would be cool. The artist on this short story, Vasco Georgiev, has been posting fan art for like you know superhero stuff for like forever, like five years now, and this is his first official DC story. I was like, all right, man. So, Congratulations, know, dude. So That's how you him. work it. That is awesome. Like you just, oh, yeah. I mean, really, like he has been super passionate about it. He came in, knocked the story out of the park. So I hope he blows up and gets more more work out of this because he did a great job. Oh yeah! Congratulations. Yeah, yeah, and uh, while that was a lot of fun, uh, we have to go to before before, before we oh, get to that. Oh. Sorry, I just I want to do a an honorable mention to Batman eighty nine. All right. Finally, after what twenty two no thirty two three thirty three years or so, mm. finally giving us a payoff to Billy D Williams Harvey Dent. Oh really? Oh yeah! Oh, now yeah. I gotta now like I gotta go back. The reveal was perfect. Yeah, I haven't read that issue yet, but now I really gotta go back and read it. That's so good. Oh god, I'm gonna be sad. I it it really is just Tim Burton's Batman three, but I'm gonna be sad when this is done. I know. It's it's if if you enjoy the Batman Burton verse though, it is it's really good. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I don't know how I would have felt about Marlon Wayans being Robin. I just, to me, that doesn't seem right. But at the same time, they had a comedian as Batman too. So, you know, yeah, who knows how it could have turned out. Yeah. And can you, can you imagine had Marlon Wayans gotten that role, gotten a serious role as Robin, how different his career would be? Yeah. When I think of Marlon Wayans, I think of scary movie. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Or, or, or that one where he played a a baby with a giant ass head. God. (laughs) Or uh, don't be a menace to South Central while drinking your juice in the hood. Jesus, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. Not that I've seen a lot of his movies yeah. or anything. <laughs> no, no, I think I think you're right. I mean, I I feel like had that you know film actually been developed and had success, it might have had a very different career. Absolutely. But anyway, as I was saying before, I was so rudely interrupted. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> no. Um, now we get to the part of the show that is not quite our favorite, and uh, that is oh, that's nasty. Where we go through our lists and figure out what stinks the most or what is not quite up uh, to snuff, and uh, single that one out and bully it and shame it. But I don't know about you guys. I don't really have anything this week that's terrible. I I, I kind of I feel like I wish I could abstain because nothing is particularly bad for me. Well, two episodes ago, we made a decision that occasionally, if we were put up against a wall, we could decide to take some Pepto. <laughs> yeah. And and not put somebody on the stinker. As a matter of fact, Rob and I did that last episode. I'm, yeah, I'm but taking my Pepto this week then. For me, there definitely was a clear biggest stinker. Mm. And that's because I was so let down by what they did in the book. Especially with everything that led up to this one. So my biggest stinker, as much as I've 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 loved everything to do with this character so far, it goes to I Am Batman number two. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm forgoing the Pepto this time. And my biggest stinker is going to be Titans United. It, it just... It got the lowest score and it occurred to me that much that it doesn't deserve to, I I'll take the stomach pains this week. I'm just, 
I mean, I feel you. I get you. And here's the thing. Um, it's not really an argument against it, but I could tell you that if it ever does start to mirror the show, other than having um, the same characters so far, th- this shit will get shoved into the dump list so fast because oh, yeah. th- there's no reason to review something like that. Yeah, no, we don't. So we, far, we can put other yeah. stuff there. Yeah, exactly. Characters aside, so far this is completely different, um, with the exception of Jason being an ass. <laughs> Uh, so, I mean, so far I like it, but yeah, if it's not careful, it could quickly get flushed. Yeah. I don't see it actually going the way of the show anyway. It, it just, I'll put it like this. It's like a cool glass of milk for a lactose intolerant person. <laughs> it's smooth, tastes great, but it's just not going to sit well. Jeez. Great analogy. Great analogy. <laughs> All right. Well, it sounds like. Season... Oh, oh no, sorry. go ahead. I was gonna. I was still on the, the Titans. Yeah, yeah. Season three sees his turn as Red Hood, and I gotta tell you, the Titans TV show made him a far twisted Red Hood than the comics ever did. Really? I don't yes. know. I looked at that okay. costume and I was a little skeptical, <laughs> to say the least. Uh, eh, I I was up and down about it, um, but. The uh, his guns are sick, mm. but uh, yeah, what they did to define his role as a villain and who they paired him with and the motivation and or the not motivation but the reasons behind everything it's it's way different from what we had seen in the comics, mm. and it is, in my opinion, super good. Awesome. Yeah, I, I don't I don't I don't see a uh, a redemption arc. Mm. But he makes an awesome villain, dude. That's super cool. All right. Well, it sounds like we don't have any books to put on the dump list. So, I mean, aside from what's already there. No, not, 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 not unless Rob's going to make an argument for Titans. United. <laughs> I mean, nah, not, not yet. Yeah. I'll give it another issue. Yeah, we can, we can give it one more. And if it starts to feel like, a, eh, this is something we can enjoy on the side, then, then we'll definitely go that route. Um, Agreed. I, I did read Future State Gotham. Um, the last couple issues have been a little iffy for me, but I think this one was better. But I, I still don't know that I'm ready to, you know, make a case for it coming back. I'm yeah, I, I haven't read this Gotham, one. And I keep forgetting I read it. Yeah. What the hell happened? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I do well, remember. Th- that's a bad sign. Yeah. <laughs> you do remember a what? I do remember enjoying it. I just don't uh, remember much of the story. Yeah. That's that that's that yeah, like I said, man, that's a bad sign. Yeah, yeah, yeah not not the best. Uh but if we have nothing else to add, that is our show and we will see you next week. We'll be here talking comics and we hope you'll stop by. Remember to go to notarobotpodcast.com for all of our episodes and our other shows with all sorts of people. But with that, oh no, no, but we're not quite done yet because we need to talk about the books that we will be covering for next week, which uh-huh. I did not write down again. Oops. So let well, me... we, we talked about how damn hard it is to keep track because everything keeps getting pushed around yeah, by everybody. Yeah, so you're, you're going to get a bit of a live reading as I go to League of Comic Geeks and hope to God that this is actually what's coming out next week, but 
You uh, just never know. According to this, uh, next week we have uh, to look forward to Batman number 115, Nightwing number 85, Flash 775, Catwoman 36, Superman Son of Kal-El number 4, Suicide Squad number 8, and Green Lantern number 7, and potentially, and again, I, I, I have no idea with some of these releases, but Shazam number 4, Peacekeeper, The Secret Files issue number 1, Black Manta number 2, and Nubia and the Amazons number 1, but again, these could be moved at any point, so expect that. Um, because, yeah, some of these I'm really not sure if they're actually coming out next week. Yeah. Oh, we got our, our first Joe Hill Presents yeah. series. That's right. The... Gives me some really bad Kyle Rayner vibes. But... <laughs> Joel, oh, uh, Joe Hill Presents series? Yeah, from the, uh, the Hill House uh, line. Yeah, that's what it says in the corner. Oh, I was going to say. Hill House comics. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, Hill House has come out. We had Basketful of Heads, and I mean, those those were some pretty good books, man. Yeah, I, I guess these are um, ones that are like in that universe, but are being written by other people, not Joe Hill. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah. Oh, um, right yeah. on. And then I, I guess Catwoman Lonely City is supposed to come out next week. I don't know if we're going to be covering that. You can look at the first issue if you guys want, but um, so that, that could be cool. Absolutely. I think we got a little bit of a habit of reading number ones around here yeah, anyway. Yeah. Um, we're just a little Batman heavy, so you'll have to excuse us <laughs> if we sidestep quite a few of them. Yeah, yeah. You'd uh, have like an eight hour long podcast, man. Exactly, exactly. But uh, with that, there is only one way that we say goodbye around here. Until next time, be good to each other. And don't be a robot. I'm not gonna